One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to this. It is the Rugby Dungeon. Thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. Uh, and also thank you for following me on Twitter. You can find me at Jay Beardmore. You can find this podcast at the Rugby Dungeon. You can also follow us on Egg Chasers, which me, Phil and Tim do every week at Rugby Podcast. Now, I've not been on for a little while because World Cup and yada, 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 lots of other excuses. But we are back and I have a very, very special guest. Uh, leader of men, but more importantly, leader of sale, John Ross. How are you, mate? Yeah, not too bad. Thanks for having me on the show. Uh, uh, um, uh, any time at all. Now, I have been trying to get you on the show for a long, long time. But to put it mildly, you're a dedicated professional. So it is very, very hard to uh, manage some time when, when, we are, when we are both 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 free. So it's been been your day off today. Uh, what what have you been up to? Uh, pretty chill. Just went in and got some treatment at the club um, and then made my way over to you, really. Uh just on that, on that treatment at the club, I mean, that's just you know you uh, keeping limber, making sure that you sure that you're ready to play. But you've had a few issues re- recently, particularly with your shoulder. What's been going on there? Uh, yeah, I had a well, I've I've had an issue for quite a while, to be honest. Um, and towards the end of last season, it sort of got worse and worse and worse. And obviously, with the long preseason we had, I just I decided it was time that I needed to get it fixed. So I had a, a labral tear, and they fixed up my bicep tendon as well. But so. Um, happy to have got that sorted and and be back fit and ready to go. Really, uh, I take it that's not your first sur- your first surgery. No, it's not. But touch wood, I've I've actually been alright. I've broken both my thumbs um, and had a shoulder done. So I've I've been pretty fortunate. I've had other things that probably should have had stuff done, but just try to soldier through. Really, yeah. I mean, that's actually quite remarkable because I watch the way that you, the way that you play. Um, you're not a guy that picks his moments. You basically are in the action. All, all the time I'm, I'm I'm amazed you're actually that durable yeah um yeah don't yeah don't really have an answer to why <laughs> but um I think I probably didn't start playing uh senior men's rugby till late really if you look at what guys are playing at 18 19 today I was probably 22 when I started like playing a lot so um maybe that's got something to do with it I try and stretch and try and do the the right sort of Things to to stay fit, really. Yeah, that that's interesting. I, I I wasn't aware that you were a relatively late starter to rugby. So you're from Johannesburg originally, yes. is it? Sumpton, is that is that right? Uh, well, four ways where my folks are, but yeah. So similar sort of area. So when 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 did you first first pick up the game? Uh, I always I always loved rugby from a kid, um, but I only started playing rugby at thirteen. Mm-hmm. Um, English schools in South Africa don't play rugby in primary school. So only in high school do you start playing rugby. 
13, we, we sort of started our own little club um, and played a bit then, not much, and then only at high school. And, and yeah, I was more focused on cricket probably than, than rugby at that stage. Are you a cricketer as well? I was probably a better cricketer than, than a rugby player at school, to be honest. Yeah, actually, we invited Byron down to play uh, Didsbury Rugby Club cricket. Turns out he's actually pretty good. In fact, a lot of you, <laughs> a lot of you South Africans turn out to be pretty good at this. Yeah, uh, he has spoken about his, his cricket a bit. <laughs> um, he never shuts up about it. No, he never shuts about it, about much. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, no. So I, I was more cricket focused, to be honest. And then, sort of, as I went through high school, I think my my rugby ability started to show promise. Um, and then I sort of had to decide, am I going to pursue cricket or rugby? And, and I was a bit bored of cricket by that stage, so rugby was the one that I, I chose to go. Of interest, what were you, a bowler, batsman, all-rounder? I was all-rounder. Um, I opened the bowling and I probably batted f- five. Uh-huh. Dep- I mean, obviously depending, but I was around there somewhere. Uh, d- uh, uh, do you still still fancy playing now, like over the summer and whatnot? Well, I mean, obviously if I wasn't... If it wasn't against my contract, probably to play cricket. Oh, yeah, Baron's not played either, <laughs> just so you know. <laughs> um, no, I, I do actually enjoy, I would like to play, but I think my shoulders and stuff probably wouldn't allow me to be as effective as what I was. But, yeah, I'd, I'd love to play cricket again, um, maybe when I'm done playing rugby. Yeah, we might send you an invitation next uh, <laughs> ne- next summer, mate. So tell me about the club that you set up over, over in South Africa then. No, it was just a bunch of mates and, and we just... it wasn't We didn't really set up a club, it was just... We set up a team to play a couple games. Yeah, um, I think we played two games at school, so it was just myself and a couple of mates, and and we wanted to give it a crack. So we uh, we did, and and we got two games in. So it was it was pretty cool. That is really cool. Did did you um did you struggle with recruitment? No, I think it was just boys from from the school. Really, it wasn't yeah. like we we just sort of got enough guys together to play a game and and had a go. So what is, I mean, I imagine the standard of Johannesburg rugby is pretty good. Yeah, I think I think it is. I think my my school probably wasn't the best rugby school, um, but yeah, I think it's decent. Um, I think your top schools in South Africa are Western Cape, um, Stellenbosch that area, and then Bloemfontein, and and some probably from Durban. Mm. Um, Joburg has some good schools, but mainly Afrikaans schools are probably the schools that dominate rugby, not so much English schools. Yeah, um, you from a rugby playing family? Uh, my dad played. Um, he played sort of at that stage one level under what they called the Lion Cup which was um, what the Curry Cup really is today um, mm. he played he played in that he never I mean it was never professional or anything like that but he he did play my dad's quite a big man he's 6 foot 8 135 kilos so crikey he, he he's, could, he's enormous yeah he could have given me a little bit more to be fair but he didn't <laughs> um, I wouldn't say from a rugby playing family um, but my dad did play and, and Bowler accounts, he played Craven Week and things like that, so he was obviously a decent player. Mm. Uh, you never get to, uh, you never got got to watch him play then. No, no, no. My dad's quite a bit older. Was, nah, he was long done by then. He's a he's a veterinarian, so he went and studied and and followed that path. Mm. Good so, on him. So, with you starting relatively late, when did when did the club first become interested in what you had to offer? A, a club as in after school? Yeah, as in either a local a local team or maybe that you know that um, jump up to the the professional ranks. So in South Africa, how it works is you sort of have these junior provincial weeks. Mm-hmm. So when I was sixteen, there's an under sixteen week and an under eighteen weeks, which you've probably heard about Craven Week, which is quite a famous week. So at under sixteen, I I went to the local Lions trials and I I made the academy week, which is sort of the B team. Mm-hmm. Um, Sorry, just to be clear, are the Lions the same Lions that I think of now? I mean, obviously they're in Super Rugby, the Lions in the Curry Cup, they're the guys that we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, so, okay. that's, so basically the Lions is the Gauteng 
region, which is a province. And under that, you obviously have your various schools who will go, they'll pick guys out and you go to trials. And from that, you make, mm-hmm. like there's an academy team and an and a, and a A team, basically. So I, I made the academy team. Um, and we went on tour to Namibia. There wasn't a week for us, so we went on tour to Namibia and played some games there. And then, so I think that helped me get my name sort of in the system. Mm. And then the next year, I played the Under-18 Academy. And the following year, again, Under-18 Academy, I never played Craven Week. Um, and, and from that, my last year playing Academy Week, I, they they made an SA Academy team, mm-hmm. which I made and I was captain of that academy team and, and we played against the SA schools team who who have who had some guys who've really gone on to big careers, uh, CJ Stunder, Pat Lambie, Alton Yankees, guys like this who, yeah. who've done really well and uh, we actually smashed them on the day, I think we beat them 42-18 <laughs> which, which was, yeah, fair juice to us um, and from there that probably I then, I actually didn't get much interest in South Africa, uh, the Lions offered me a contract, but I'd already signed to actually go to Quinns. Um, really? In, in the UK, which I went to for a year. So I never knew you were at Quinns. I knew that you, you were at Saracens for, for a game, so I never my, knew you were at Quinns. Yeah, my first year after school, I was at, at Quinns. Um, uh, I was the same year as Joe Marler, George Lowe, Rory Clegg, these yeah. guys, Sam Smith. That sort of that was sort of the year that I was there. Um, I was with them in the academy. Wow. So you were an, you were an academy prospect at Harlequins? Yeah, um, and fair to them, I actually decided to leave. I I found it quite tough um, being away from home in England as so young. Mm. Um, probably a little bit, I was probably a little bit rosy cheek coming over. I didn't realise how different life is, you know, from South Africa to UK. All my friends were going to university and having a good time. And, and, and I probably felt like I was missing out on that a little bit. Mm. Um, rugby wasn't going great really I was just this academy kid and yeah I decided to go home um and then yeah so that was that was pretty good and that was pr- really where where rugby started so I mean people who watch the premiership and you know keep in contact with rugby news will know that you're English qualified was that one of the reasons you went to Quinns was that just something completely coincidental no that that is probably one of the reasons I I there was an agent at St. Stidians which was my school his son was at St. Stidians as well and he obviously saw something in me, and, and he got in contact with Quinns, um, and yeah, just sort of set that up. And then the Lions came in, but that was it was too late. I'd already signed to come overseas, and obviously my my ancestry helped me yeah. as well. So yeah, that played a role. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that. Well, I'm not glad you mentioned that that you struggled, but it was something I wanted to ask about because when I think about your career, obviously you've, you're at Sale Sharks now. Before that, you're at Stade Francais. Um, I mean, Sale. And well, Manchester and Paris are about as far removed from South Africa as I can possibly think of. And before that, obviously, a stint, stint in Saracens. Um, what made you want to come back then? Um, a few things, really. I think so. I, I went back and then I, I didn't have a contract for a year. I played under 21s at the Bulls and then got offered a contract, um, which I then I played a little bit of Curry Cup when I was sort of 21 and then. My contract ended and, and I didn't have much. And there was a coach at, at the Bulls at the time, John McFarland, who's now, I mean, he went on, he's a was a defence coach for South Africa for four years and he coaches at Stad now. Yes. Um, he he said, well, listen, I'll help you. And, and he actually got in contact with, with Saris. I think he knew Brendan Fent or whatever. And they had two injuries and, and needed uh, someone on a short-term deal. And, and so I went over on a two-week trial and got a six-month contract. And I actually... I have a lot of 
really fond memories and and I think it sort of paved the way for for what my professional career was I think I realized what it was to be a professional and they they're well known for knowing that for for their sort of the way they look at players you know good good people make good rugby players and and they were all about hard work so you didn't have to be the most talented so as long as you worked hard they mm. were prepared to give you an opportunity and that sort of stood me in real good stead going forward so it was sort of a thing that I didn't have anything else um really so I went to series and and yeah gave it a crack and I really enjoyed it the second time around I think I was a little bit older um my friends weren't all at university having a this you know first year great time and I think you start to see a bit of perspective of life when you're a little bit older so yeah it was it was really good and, and as I said I'm still mates with guys down there and have a lot of a lot of I owe them a lot for for what they sort of did for me back then. Yeah, I was very lucky. Uh, well, I was lucky enough to interview Brendan Venter uh, maybe a couple of months ago now. And what he said is, when I talked to the lads, and I'm paraphrasing that, this is not exactly what he said, but something along the lines of, what I ask them is pretty simple, but the simple thing uh, I ask them for is, uh, uh, isn't easy. And I think it's that hard work mentality which you mentioned there. Yeah, I think when I was there, it was just like, they had things called effort errors and skill errors. So an effort error is if you didn't work hard enough, and that was the key thing. If you didn't work hard enough to get yourself in a position you'd get told off. If you dropped a ball on a skill area, they felt it was the coach's fault and that they needed to coach skills. And, and I mean, that's a pretty good mentality to have. But like you said, working hard is not as easy as, as it sounds. You know, some guys can't do it. And and I, that's something I probably pride myself on is my work rates. And, and, and like I said, that was probably got instilled in, in me when I was sort of at Ceres. Um When I arrived, I, I can remember them asking me if I was a big a big fish in a small pond when I was at school because I'm not working really hard. So yeah, it was it was a good time. Um and, and I think you can see the way they run things, why they're such a successful club. Do you think your first experience with Harlequins and then subsequent experience with Saracens, do you think the difference between that was yourself or do you think it was the atmosphere within the clubs? No, I think I think it was myself. I think I was when I went to Quinns I was I was young and, and yeah, just not really used to being away from home, being in bad weather, being in a professional environment. It was, it was a culmination of quite a few things. And I think by the time I went to Saris, I'd been in a professional environment for yeah. three years and, and knew a bit more what was expected of me. And I was a bit older and, and did as you, well. Did you prepare for the cold differently? Second time yeah, around? definitely. I think you, you learn that it rains, it's cold, it's dark. You know, those It's wonderful, sort of isn't it? Yeah, fantastic. <laughs> Um, so the, the, I mean, there is a little bit of colouring in. I think you need to do that because you did captain the bull. Did you captain the bulls? Is that right? Is that the Curry Cup team or, or Super Rugby team? Um, I captained the Curry Cup team. I was yeah. well. I was the official captain of the Curry Cup team. I did captain the Super Rugby team on some games if the captain went off, but never officially. So what happened was, is yeah. So I was at the Bulls, and then I went on that six month thing to sort of stint to series, and then I came back and played university rugby, mm-hmm. and I was actually considering giving up rugby I was gonna study and and go into sort of normal life um be a vet no I was never gonna be a vet I don't think I've got the brains to be a vet (laughs) no I just just probably do my degree and and go into business really Mm. but um had a really good sort of six months and and the Bulls then asked me to come back and I I then made my super rugby debut off the back of that and re-signed for the Bulls for Mm -hmm. two or three years or whatever it was and played couple super rugby games and then went on to captain the curry cup um which i was the first english captain i was young whatever 
and that was, it was quite a tough time that um we weren't doing very well um I took a lot of criticism whatever so I was there for two years and and Stad came in with an offer and I went to Franz Luke who was a coach at the time and just said sort of what do my opportunities look like for the following season and he was honest enough and said there would probably be a lot a lot less than what I'd had mm. so obviously I had this good offer and, and I took it up to go to Stad. Yeah, I mean, Stad is hell. It Stad is hell of a club to join. Yeah, I think obviously in in South Africa you you don't know too much about foreign clubs, but Stad France is definitely a club you you could identify with. Pink jerseys, yeah. you know. It's difficult to explain Stad France, and and it was a great club to join. It's something very unique, um, and again, I have very fond memories of being there, and, and being in a city like Paris as well was was a fantastic experience. No. Maybe I'm just talking in stereotypes here. I don't. I don't know. But you said you, know, you pride yourself on on your work rate, and that's just not that's not just on the field. I mean, that's you know the hard work you put on, um, put in between games. How did you find it at Stad? Because aren't the French teams notoriously well not hardworking? Um, that is a bit of a stereotype. I think. I think there is a little bit of that sort of semi-professionalism in fr- French rugby as well, still where boys have beers and, and really enjoy their life mm-hmm. as well as play very serious rugby. But one thing I experienced at Stade was these guys were so passionate about the club. They had a lot of these guys had grown up playing for Stade Francais from really young. Um, and I'd never experienced something like that where the club meant so much to the players, um, which was really, really cool. And obviously you had things like the derby versus racing, which yeah. was, again... It was something I'd never experienced. It was bigger than any Joburg, Pretoria derby I'd ever played. And this was a real derby. And, and you know, there was almost an underlying hatred for each other. <laughs> um, and, and in rugby, that's not very common um, yeah. to have two big clubs in a city. And that was, an un- that was unreal. Every time you played racing, everyone wanted to play. And it was a real, a real game. Um, but within that, I was able to work hard and, and, and do what I do, really. And, and you know... The coach at the time, Gonzalo Casado, who's a fantastic coach, and I owe him a hell of a lot. Um, is that the fly half from Argentina? He's now yeah, he's yeah. the Jaguars coach now. Yes. Um, and Simon Raluy is the coach of uh, of Australia, the forwards coach, and they were really, really good to me. They instilled confidence in me and, and allowed me to sort of express myself as a player and, and grow as a player. And, and we did really well in that period. So, like I said, I have fond memories, and again, got some mates still in Paris, and uh, embracing a French culture was was something that I really enjoyed and, and again, shaped me as an individual. You know, all these little experiences shape you to who you are, whether they're good or bad um, along the way. But this was, this was a, going to, to Stade and to Paris was a life-changing experience. I and, can only imagine. And did, one that I really enjoyed. Did you find that a lot, a lot more responsibility was on you then to, you know, make, make sure that you were prepared? Yes and no. I mean, we, we, we still trained really hard and, and, you know, it was pretty similar, to be mm. fair. I think, I think, English teams are probably fitter than French teams. Um, the game's slightly different, but but you still train hard and you still give give everything every time you you sort of go in the gym or, or go and play. So, um, yeah, there was there's always um, responsibility in yourself to prepare yourself as well as you can. Um, yeah. Now this is a proper fanboy question now, but um, you were lucky enough to play with Sergio per- Sergio Parise. What's that guy like? Yeah, I was, I was. Yeah, I mean, obviously, he's probably known as one of the best number eights ever. 
um, and obviously coming as a loose forward to 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 stud, he was captain and and you know he's a he is a a quality player and, and has been throughout his career and been a real talisman for both stud and and for Italy. Um, he's a he's a really good leader and he's he's an he's an icon or was an icon at stud. Obviously mm. things have happened there. I'm not sure what's gone on, but he had, you know he was an icon there and and someone who really when he played the team sort of rose to the occasion. So it was great to to learn off him and 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 become friends with him really and and yeah he's he's a he's a fantastic leader he's ultra professional um, so it was good to spend sort of three years under him yeah uh, do you, did you find that as uh, um, as a player because I guess I mean that is your role now isn't it that when you step on the field it's not just your performance that you're in charge of it's raising the rest of the team did you actually find that as a player that there were individuals that you would play with um, that would raise your raise your performance via you know the medium of leadership yeah definitely I think over my career I've been fortunate to play with some big big name players at the Bulls I was coached by and played with Victor Matfield who was another one who who raised the standard around him um, fantastic leader and, and a real intelligent rugby player and then obviously another captain Sergio was was another one of those and and you know there's guys who I'm not mentioning who who were the same maybe not captains but were leaders and and drove performance um so I've been I've been quite lucky to play with these guys and and those two are, are two that really stand out as talisman as as people that drove standards within a team and and got guys around them to play probably above the above the level that they were at um you know so I've been really privileged to play with these type of guys mm. now just on the on the subject of captaincy uh, I assume it was your first taste of captaincy at at the Bulls what do you think it is about yourself that you know that either makes the coach want to uh, make you a, 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 um, a captain, and is it something which you aspire to? Or is it just something which just kind of happens? Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure really. Um, yeah, it's it's a difficult one to answer. I just think it's it's something that has happened over over my life. I seem to have captain teams since school under twenty ones at the Bulls, varsity rugby, Stade Francais, and and now here at Sale as well. So yeah. I think confidence plays a role. Um, yeah, I, d- I don't really know, but it is something that happened. It's something that I really enjoy. I enjoy being sort of a spearheading a team up and, and, and dr- trying to drive people around me. I do enjoy it. Um, at times, it can be very taxing. Mm. I think there's a lot of things that people don't see um, that go on behind the scenes, but I do enjoy the role and, and yeah, hopefully long, long may it continue. Tell me about the things that people don't see. What, what's difficult about it? I think you you obviously when things don't go well that's the first thing you know you are sort of responsible for a team you've got to drive performance on the field um, obviously it's great when things are going well and, and teams winning I guess you get some of the plaudits for that um, but when things aren't going so well you know the pressure's on and, and you've got to get a team to, to perform and, and you take things on personally when a team doesn't perform how, what can I do different how can I make this team perform um, that's that's one area of it. Obviously, the other area is meetings behind the scene, trying to make sure that standards of training are right, trying to make sure that guys are on time for meetings. There's lots of things. I can only imagine how difficult making sure everyone is on time for meetings is. I mean, yeah. I imagine that is, that's actually... It sounds really trivial, but it's actually super important and really difficult to do. It is important because it, it brings discipline to, to a team and, and discipline is important, you know, and... and accountability as well so you're accountable to to certain things and being on time for meetings is a small thing but makes a big difference um but yeah there's a 
There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. A lot of things that go on behind the scenes that people probably don't see or or hear about, which which make it difficult, but it's enjoyable as well. Mm. Um, I do enjoy it. So, as I said, I, I, I enjoy being captain and... and and there are guys around me who, who who help a lot. There are a lot of senior guys within the team at the moment who who make my job a lot easier. So, so, so I mean, obviously, we just spoke about spoke about the negatives. There, it's clearly a huge honour. Um, what is it that, that that you like about it? Yeah, I think I think I enjoy the responsibility. Mm. Um, I enjoy I enjoy having that on my shoulders, and and I feel it makes me a better player, knowing that I have to. Sp- drive people around me to be better and how do I do that is by putting in big performances I feel that inspires other people and and brings a team level up if, if I'm slacking or I'm not playing well then I know that people probably won't look up look up to me as much and look to me you know as a, as a driver of performance if, if I'm putting out my best foot then it's it's obviously better so it drives me to be a better player um, I enjoy that extra responsibility and and yeah it's it's yeah something I've just become used to really. So you know, within the constructs of a team, how would you say that the best way is to enforce standards with 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 your peers? Because I mean there are there are ways ways of doing it. I've been in teams where you know um, the so called senior players like to shout you know, you know like to shout at one another. Uh, I've met coaches who like a little bit more of a arm around the shoulder type thing. What's your particular style? I think you. I think the key thing for me is to try and learn what makes people tick. I mm. think in the world today, we probably it's probably a little bit different to what it was ten years ago, um, where it was maybe a bit more military style, do as I say. Whereas the, the youth of today are a bit different, mm. um, and and different things work for different people. You can't sort of banish everyone with the same sort of one. So I try and I try and find out what what makes people tick. Um, I mean, sometimes you could be off, but you know, sometimes you got to be harsh and and be direct. Sometimes you got to put your arm around someone and and maybe try and get them to look at things from a different perspective. Um, so, I mean, I'm not saying I, I necessarily do things correctly or or right. You know, we everyone is learning every day, yeah. Um, as am I, and 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 obviously we all make mistakes, but hopefully more often than not, I'm, I'm doing the right thing. So, it, I would say I've, I try and get a mix and a balance mm. um not to be dictatorial but not to be too soft as well um yeah. so yeah it's it's about finding a balance really it is a very very i mean if you, i mean just just the starting 15 you've got such an array of personalities there i mean can can you put your finger on one time that you think you might you might have got it wrong um 
there's there's probably many times I've got it wrong, <laughs> to be honest. Um, so it's difficult to point out specific moments. Um, I've probably got it wrong, yeah, lots of times. Mm. Um, but ho- like I said, hopefully more times than not, I'm doing things right. Mm. Um, I guess we should fast forward to the present day, really, because um, you're at Sale Sharks, as everyone well, well knows, and it's pretty exciting times. Uh, what are your thoughts on the sale uh, on the sale project so far? Yeah, I think it's been it's been really good. I think obviously everyone knows the ambition of the club. You know, Simon, Jed, and, and Dimes are really, really putting their their best foot forward to make sure the club's in the best possible position. Yeah, that it's been in. Um, but like I said to before we came on air, just having good players is not enough. Mm. Um, we need to make sure that we still drive standards with with within. We make sure that we're improving every day, and and I always say as long as we are improving, we'll be a better team tomorrow than what we are today and that's important mm-hmm. you can't just think that because you've got some good players that uh, that you're going to be a good team um, so there's a, and there's a lot that goes into that do you think that in particular gives you a different set of challenges because you've got a different calibre of player now you've got a different well I mean you've got a different calibre of player not only in terms of you know the standards at which they play but also the amount that they get paid their seniority their stature their reputation to be honest I think pay doesn't come into it I think that doesn't really matter. I don't. Uh, I'm not someone who thinks because you get paid X, you know, if someone's earning lots of money or someone's not earning a lot of money, it's ide- it's ultimately what you contribute to the team. Mm. So that's that's not really something. But obviously, you got egos to deal with. You got, as you said, guys coming in who've played a lot of international rugby. It is it is an interesting blend. But I think one thing that's that's been good is is we do a lot of off off field stuff and make sure that people. Of mates and and care for each other and and that goes a long way. Yeah. Um, so as I said, it's not just training and it's not just doing things right. There's a lot that lot of other things that go into it and, and hopefully our off field sort of bonding and things like that help when 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 we go onto the pitch. Yeah, because I don't think many people appreciate this because I guess when you look at Sail Sharks, you see quite an abrasive club. I mean, they talk about being old fashioned, but they're not really. I mean, they're you know they're they're a very forward forward looking club. I think the thing they might actually miss out completely is it's quite a fun place to be. Yeah, I think it's, it's weird. People always think Manchester's a a crap place to live, and it's it, great. It ra- rains all the time. And oh, it does. It does rain a lot, but you know what? There's a lot going on, and Man- and I must say, I've really enjoyed moving to Manchester as a city. You've got loads of friendly people, loads of things to do. It's not as big as London, but there's more than enough to keep you busy. Yeah, um, and it's a pretty funky city, and it's it's really cool, and and it's a good place to be around. And I think Sale is a, is a is a really fun club to be in. Um, again, Dimes has a reputation, and people look at him and think he's this absolute dictator and, and, and he's not really. He's yep. actually, he's a good person and he, and he ultimately cares more than anyone about the club. He wants the best for the club and, and you know, we have a lot of fun off the pitch and in meetings and, and stuff and, and there's times to be serious and there's times to enjoy it and, and you know what, guys wouldn't be re-signing and staying around if it wasn't a fun place to be because ultimately this is a game and we play it because we enjoy it um, and I think there's still that sort of earthiness, that, that down-to-earth feel around the club. Yeah, I, I I completely agree with everything which you've just said there. You also mentioned enjoyment. I mean, is playing the sport of rugby something you still enjoy? Yeah, I do. I do. Um, obviously, you know, we always say it's better than being in a in an office. Sometimes, I guess you wish you just had a normal job and you could book holiday. You really don't. <laughs> six, six months in advance, but then you speak to people and and you don't want that job. So. Yeah, I do. I do enjoy it, and 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 long may that enjoyment continue. I've always said, if I 
if I stop enjoying it, um, then it's probably time to call it a day. So um, hopefully I will, I will enjoy it and hopefully my body holds up and I can keep going. Uh, now, part of you know, part of the way that Sale are building this team now obviously has a really strong uh, South African feel to it. Um, do you think that bringing players over from South Africa, do, do you think those players have a different mindset towards rugby, say the English players? Um, I, I don't know. I don't know. I think in general, South Africans are, are hardworking people, um, and that's that's you know they'll give you everything. Um, and there's a lot of rugby players in South Africa, so you're getting you get a lot of quality players. Um, but I wouldn't say. I mean, obviously, in the English or whoever it is, America, whatever you know, we got so mm. many different. You know, you got to get a good blend of everything. The English guys work hard. I mean, if I look at the Currys, for example, or Ross Harrison. These are some of the hardest trainers I've ever come across in my life. So um, I think it's about getting a balance and, and getting the right sort of player that complements the team. And, and, you know, Dimes and the coaching staff obviously feel that these guys complement the team, um, which I agree with. And, and they've come in, bought into the culture, which is vitally important. You, you can't come in and, and sort of swim against the grain and, and be a bad egg. You can maybe have one or two, but in general, you've got to be a good person because good people make good rugby players. Um, and yeah, there is a big South African influence. That does that make it easier for guys settling? Yes, I think it does. Um, so it's it's interesting. They're all quality players, and and hopefully as a team we can we can perform well. Um, I can't help but think that you might have had a, a small hand in recommending a couple of players to Dimes o- o- over the years. Some guys that may even have signed now. Um, is that just is, is that just a widely held rumor, or is there is there some, no, some, some some truth in that? There is some truth to that. Um, I think Faf was probably the first one. Um, Got a pretty strong record then. Uh, yeah, and I think well, I think after that, it's probably a bit of everything. Obviously, Dimes, they, they play, they, these players are, are available, whatever, and he, he comes and asks our opinion mm. on what type of people they are and what do we think of them as players. You know, I think he he tries to get you know as much research and as much information about players before just signing them up. Because as I said, it's important to know what sort of character these guys are. Mm. Um, so yeah, we we do have an influence, um, but I think you know down down to the analysts and stuff like that, they put in the real sort of hard work behind the scenes and and decide whether these players are good enough or not, and and we just sort of give our our two cents. So I'm just trying to join the dots up here because I'm trying to think about when you would have played with Faf, and it doesn't seem that obvious to me because you'd have been in France or you'd have been in in the um, balls. In, in and junior rugby, I played against Faf. Oh, did you? Um, Was he SA? schools no, so he was at the Lions I was at the Bulls ah, right, so okay. we, we played against each other and then he actually came to, to play university rugby with me so me and Faf have probably walked a similar rugby path you know things weren't just given to us and, and it wasn't just easy we didn't just break onto the scene as these these youngsters who who were really good out of school we probably were castaways mm-hmm. really and, and have found our way back and obviously Faf has gone on to bigger and better things than, than I could have ever dreamed of really I mean he's probably up there with He's probably top three, isn't he? Players in the world, yeah. And, and, moment. So, and I've got a lot of respect for, for what he's achieved and where he's come from. So I knew him and I we had similar mates and, and obviously he was killing it at the Lions and doing really well with the Springboks and got cast away again. Yeah, which is amazing um, actually. And I, I just thought he would, he's a really good player and Sale were looking for that type of player. So yeah, it was, it was a pretty easy one and, and the rest so was... What was, dance, your scal- what was your scousing report like? I just said he's he's a fantastic player. He's lively and and it was probably myself and my my agent together and and just sort of yeah, Dams uh, agreed. 
Now, not to talk about another player too much, but um, what ma- amazes me, and I'm sure it must amaze, must amaze you, in such a physical game, um, he does so much and yet he's so small. I mean, you don't realise how small he is compared to, say, yourself or... You know the Dupree's or any of these any of these monsters which Sale Sale have now. He's Tafaf is a really tough kid. He's honestly <laughs> You're not he's, wrong. He's re- he's really tough, and as I said, I think you know he wasn't given things easy. Um, it was never just handed to him, and, and that that creates a certain type of person. You know, you got to scrap for everything, you got to fight for everything, you got to play through injury to try and get to where you want to go to. Um, and and he obviously has obvious quality. You mm. know, he's he's electric around the field but it's those moments when you see this tiny little guy smashing big people it's like you, you kind of realize yeah you know don't judge a book by its cover um there's a lot more on the inside than than you know what the what the exterior shows and and i think that counts for so much your sort of attitude and belief in yourself and and just that absolute fearless fearlessness that he has is is you know something to admire and, and he always just says i wish i had a, a you know, a bigger person's body because what, <laughs> what would I do then? But I think if he was bigger, he probably wouldn't have that sort of determination and, and, and absolute... It's yeah. all part of the journey. Yeah, I think so. I think, I think you know, everyone just sees where he is now and probably doesn't really know where he's come from. And then obviously where he's come from has, has sort of laid the foundation of what he is now. Mm. Just back to yourself then. I mean, you've had and you are still having a phenomenal career. But if you were to look back at it, would you take a different route in order to have a better shot at the Springboks? Um, I don't think I could have taken a different route, to be honest. Okay. I mean, obviously things are, you know, we all make decisions, we all make choices. So I chose to leave South Africa at a young age. Um, if I'd stayed, would I have got to where I am today? Probably not. So I don't regret anything. I don't. I wouldn't change anything. Um, if I could change one thing, I would have worked a lot harder when I was younger. Yeah. Um, I think that was, you know, something I've probably learned as I got older, that hard work and determination counts for so much. And if from the day, you know, from the day I started going to the gym or whatever, if I worked a lot harder, it probably would have stood me in a lot better stead. So if I could have done that, I think that's the one thing I would change is just to have worked as hard as I can from day one and not just expected things to be given to you mm. um, because nothing's given in this game and, and you've got to work so hard for, for what you want. Do you find yourself repeating that quite a lot to the to the academy boys? No, not really. Um, not really. I think I think I do I do try and convey messages, but, you know, I think exp- there's no, no better way to learn than, than to experience things. So mm. those kids, you can tell them, but they've got to experience things to make them realise that they've got to yeah. work hard. A lot of them have it in them. If I look at the four kids who've come in this year, um, they work exceptionally hard. So it's obviously just instilled in them. Instilled Wait, in sorry, them. which ones are you, are you referring Tom to Tom Curtis, there? Roebuck, uh, Harper and Rafi. Yeah, yeah. Bevan, another one who stands out. You know, these guys work exceptionally hard. Yeah, we, we probably want to just take a second there. I think that, that, uh, that last lad that you mentioned Bevan Rod he might he might turn out to be a bit of a star actually yeah I think he I think he will be a a really really good player yeah and like I said again he's got all the talent on the pitch he's a skillful young kid but what he does have which again people don't see is his work ethic off the field and and he's got a good mentor mentor in Ross Harrison Mm. those guys are probably 
for 20, 30 minutes when everyone's inside eating their food, you look out on the pitch, those two are out there doing extras. And and that's what people don't see is the, is the dedication that these guys have to be better players. And Bevan has that. And as I said, obviously he's under sort of the, the, the guide, the, you know, he's been guided by Ross who, as I said, is probably the hardest trainer I've ever come across. So, yeah, he's he will be a good player. Yeah, if only you knew what you what you knew when you if only you knew what you know at thirty when you were nineteen. Exactly. I mean, if, I, mean I, I don't know anyone that doesn't think that. No, exactly. Um, you did have a, a stint with with the England camp. In fact, yeah. um, they did you a favour of knocking out your teeth just just before your wedding. Yeah. yeah. Um, that must have been very strange for you. No, it wasn't really. Was it not? No, it wasn't strange. I think when I came to England, that was something I I sort of a decision I made that I would like to try and play for England and, and get sort of international colours so mm-hmm. it's something I you, I mean every sort of kid wants to play international rugby um, every player wants to play at the highest level so in a professional game I think it's it's changed a lot of things um, and yeah I, I want to play at the highest level I still believe I, I'm good enough to um, but obviously you know Eddie has got other sort of ideas and, and you can't really hit you know sort of hit him on that because they're a pretty good team yeah um, well so yeah, it was it was a great experience. It was a tough two weeks, mm. um, but yeah. What's your approach to going into a situation like that? Because obviously, in every other scenario you've had so far in your professional playing career, you've, you've ended up as quite a senior guy. So walking through the door at England training camp, how do you approach that? I mean, do you need to instantly sort of announce yourself you know how do you carry yourself do you are you aware of how much you should be talking or how much you shouldn't be talking what, what, what's yeah, the situation definitely aware of how much you're talking i think obviously there's guys who've been in that group for a long time and i just felt just go sort of put my head down work hard and and, and put my best foot forward really mm. um i think you don't want to be walking into an England camp and shouting your mouth off you know <laughs> so i just sort of yeah changing just, the lineup calls yeah no i just sort of kept quiet and and try to train as best I could and try to put my best foot forward. Um, obviously, it wasn't it wasn't <laughs> a very good one because I've not had any contact since. And, and I always say, you know what, ultimately sale's the most important thing. Mm-hmm. And if I perform really well at sale, hopefully I can get a call-up or, or another chance to, to, to put another foot forward, really. Controlling your controllables. Exactly. Um, now, I just would like to switch subjects to talk about playing back row. I've always spoke about work rate. But do you think sometimes with work rate there's a downside, which is maybe you're not assessing your options or maybe you're not uh, making critical... In, you're, you're making a lot of interventions in the game rather than critical interventions. And is there a balance that you can strike? No, definitely. I think, you know, obviously hard work is one thing and, and obviously I've tackled a lot and done things a lot. But for me... Is it is it about doing a lot or is it about being more effective? And I think if I can be more effective in, in some situations, I'll be a lot better rugby player. So it's about, I think, keeping the hard work but being more effective while doing it, if that makes sense. So um, I don't I don't think I'm ever going to be a player who beats six defenders and, and, you know, I don't I don't have those capabilities. So it's also about knowing what you're capable of um, and trying to hone certain skills to be more effective. So if I can be a more effective carrier, be a more effective tackler, um, then then I'll be a better rugby player. So it's not just about, you know, I think the rugby world has become quite obsessed with stats. Yes. Um, and that probably works in my favour a little bit, if I'm honest. 
But it's not all about stats. Um, it's about being effective in situations. So I'm not saying you can't, you know, stats obviously give you a good picture of a lot of things. But if I can be more effective whilst keeping those sort of num- numbers up, it'll be a hell of a lot better. Yeah. Um, well, we've got some World Cup quarterfinals on, well, this weekend. This interview will be coming out just before the quarterfinals. So using your expert eye, who do you like to go all the way and why is it that you like them? Um, I think I'd love Japan to, to keep going. I think Agreed. Their style of rugby is exceptional. I think they are so disciplined in their shape. Um, and everyone everyone loves a bit of an underdog story. Obviously, they're coming up against South Africa this weekend. I've got friends in the South African team, so I hope I hope they win. But there's a small part of me that would love Japan to go all the way. And I think it's fantastic for rugby that a small nation, in terms of rugby, yeah. are sort of shocking the rugby world. And, and it's a bit like, I guess, when Leicester won the Premier League. It's, you know... Anyone, things that people, the unthinkable is, is always great. So so the fact that they're doing so well, um, yeah, I'd love them to go the way. Realistically, I think they'll lose this weekend. Um, how, would you, how would you beat them? If, if you had, the, had those, that South African team at your disposal, what would you be telling those boys to be doing? I think the obvious thing is, is physicality of South Africans. Um, I think set piece, South Africans will have, have an edge. Um, but I mean, those Japanese are fit. They're quick. They and they can scrimmage. I mean, yeah, they get they, the ball up quick and they go. They can. But I think at times last week, Scotland showed their weakness. Um, so it's, it's going to be a good game. I think if you look at the South African team, they've gone with a six-two split. You would imagine they back themselves to dominate them up front. Um, but yeah, it'll be a good game. I mean, what more could you ask for? Is playing against the host nation in Japan? It'll be electric, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, I think the Springboks will be too strong. Yeah, do you think Springboks are going to win the World Cup? I think they've got a good chance. I think you're probably right. I think, I think Springboks and I don't know. I mean, All Blacks probably are the other team which will. Go. You, you wouldn't look much for me. You can't look much further than South Africa, England, and New Zealand. To be honest. Yeah, I tend to agree with that. Actually, well, I mean, Wales have got a Wales or France will will be in a semi. So yeah. you know, one of those two teams is going to have yeah. some, something to say, but yeah. you know, who knows? Who it's knows. probably the most even World Cup that I can remember. Yeah, I think it should be a good one. Excellent. Right, well, I'm not going to ask you to predict Sale because I'll, I'll uh, let you do what you like to do, which is do your talking on the field. Thank but, you very uh, much. Before we go, anywhere that we can find you on social media? Uh, yeah, I'm on social media, on Twitter and Instagram. Excellent. Right, John Ross, absolute pleasure and best luck this season, mate. Thank you very much. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.